Hello, um, my name's Stuart. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm an elder here at Central um, and I'm married to Kay and I'm dad to Declan and Sammy. Uh, we live in Buxton down the south side of Edinburgh. Um, life changed for us a little bit as a family, so I say we live in Buxton. Um, Declan became a student, so I became a dad of a student um, in September and um, he moved to Stirling um, to, to study there. Um, we took him down uh, to move into his flat and um, at one stage as we were unpacking in the kitchen, I became conscious that I was just pouring out instruction after instruction about careful how you store this, remember to do this and watch out whenever you're doing this to make sure that I suddenly had to stop, I had to bite my tongue um, because I was in danger of overwhelming him um, if indeed he was still listening at all, I'd been going on that long. Um, and that kind of experience of just wanting to say loads and loads of things in the moment because time's short and we're getting ready to say goodbye is exactly the dilemma that's facing the writer to the Hebrews in this chapter 13 that we're going to look at today. Because this writer that has spent sometimes whole chapters making a single point suddenly starts to give one-line instructions in rapid succession. There's a definite gear change. He knows he's coming towards the end. He knows time's short and there's a lot that he wants to say and he's not going to be able to say it all. So what's his most important bit? Well, let's find out. Let's have a read of chapter 13 of Hebrews and we're going to start reading at verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were treated together with them in prison and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That passage is full of useful instructions. And then dropped Right into the middle of all of them, we have one of the most famous and often quoted verses in the whole Bible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. The whole book has been about Jesus because the writer knows that if we have the right image of Jesus, it impacts everything we believe and do. The writer has been at pains throughout this book to show the Hebrew Christians that Jesus was truly the Messiah, that he brought in a new covenant and that knowledge would help them endure in their faith in the face of opposition from people who would claim that Jesus was not the Messiah or from others who claimed that they would have to bring all the old covenant law and regulations into the new covenant. What he's saying in effect is you came to believe in Jesus. Well he hasn't changed and he's not going to. He will always be the Messiah you'd hoped for. Don't give up on the most constant thing in your life. 
all those names for God in the Old Testament. The God Almighty, the, the God who provides, the God who heals, the God of the angel armies, they're all still true of Jesus. His death will always cover your sin and bring you into a relationship with God. His character has not changed and will not change. He still wants to see the captives released, the poor helped, the broken hearted bound up and the sick healed. He still opposes hypocrisy in leaders, especially spiritual leaders. He still wants outcasts to be included and feel that they belong. And his words of challenge about what following him will involve are still true. And his compassion that calls out, come unto me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. That's still true. His faithfulness is still the same. His love for you is still the same. And because he is still the same, we can rely on him completely. We've seen the big theme of Hebrews is enduring in the faith because it's all about Jesus. But as the writer has exhorted his readers to endure, I wonder if you've noticed the language. He's not been saying, hang in there, cling on with your fingernails and keep plugging away. His language is much more positive. He's, he's calling his readers to endure by pushing ahead. So in chapter 11, he inspired the, the, his readers with amazing stories of faith from the Old Testament. In chapter 12, um, the, uh, Naomi took us through the first part of, he called the Hebrew church to leave behind sin and anything that's going to hold them back and press on looking to Jesus. And then as Andy talked us through last week, um, he's, he, the, the writer was telling us that um, your faith is based on unshakable things. He says you're receiving an unshakable kingdom. Keep pushing on. And it's very much in that vein that he starts to wind up this letter in chapter 13 and starts to say goodbye. He's calling them to endure by, by pushing on. He spent 12 chapters reminding them about Jesus, um, who he was as a, as a Messiah, that he was greater than the angels, that he was greater than Moses. He was a great high priest. He was their sacrifice for sin. He was the author and perfecter of their faith. And he's saying, don't give up on this. And his call is not just to endure with their head and with their hearts, believing all, all of that that he's been teaching them. But now he's also coming to say, believe in him how you live. Keep doing the things that mark you out as Jesus' people. So what are they? Let's look at them. There's five of them here and we'll take them each by one. So in verse one, he calls them to love each other. We read in Acts how the early church started and the kind of love that marked them out as, as Christians. They shared their possessions. They made sure that no one was in any need. They distributed food to widows. They cared for each other. It really stood out. A number of first century secular writers comment on the incredible way that the Christians loved each other. But persecution had followed in the life of the early church. And so this way of showing love to each other wasn't risk-free anymore. It could get you marked out as a Christian and that could lead to persecution or even imprisonment. And the writer's calling them on. This is who you are as Jesus followers. Keep living this way. Keep loving each other. To stop would deny, would be to deny who you are. And so I think there's a challenge for us here especially in these COVID times, have we let that the restrictions affect 
how we show our love for each other and how we care for each other? Are there some things that we've stopped doing because we physically couldn't and we've not replaced them yet because, well, we really weren't expecting it to go on this long? What are some of the ways that we can look out for each other, that we can continue to care for each other and love each other well during these COVID restrictions? Um, whenever um, our half-term holiday, um, we went to North Berwick, it's not so very far away, um, we, it got cut short because Sammy had to self-isolate. Kay and I were really disappointed to have to come home so early. Um, but a number of friends dropped off gifts on our doorstep for us, things to bless us and to help it feel a little bit more like holiday. I really got the sense that God was looking out for us, that God was watching over us through the kind actions of other people. Secondly, in verse two, he says to show hospitality and entertain strangers. Hospitality to strangers had been a way of life in the Old Testament and marked out the Christians in the Gospels and in Acts. And again, the writer is calling the Hebrew Christians to keep this up, keep living the life Jesus called them to. And now keep showing hospitality even to strangers. And I think the strangers bit is, is important. It keeps us open to people that we don't know, people who are different to us, who might be we might be tempted to be suspicious of. And in 2020, we've had a spotlight cast on that behaviour of treating people differently because, because they're not like us. Let's keep pressing into that and making sure that everyone feels welcome, make sure everyone feels included, respected and, and loved. And COVID has affected how we do this. We can't even have people in our homes at the minute, so showing hospitality is going to look very different. So maybe at the minute it's getting involved in, in soul food um, or the clothes bank or volunteering with CAP. Perhaps it's buying lunch or buying some food for a homeless person. Another example I'd heard of uh, in the last few weeks is about a saint called Alphonsus Rodriguez. He'd had a really rough time in life. His, his wife, his two children, his mother had all died. And he ended up selling his business and he joined a Jesuit monastery. He was only able to join as a doorkeeper because it was considered that he wasn't clever enough to go through the academic training. He ended up inspiring and mentoring a number of trainee priests, including one who went on to become a saint himself. Every time the doorbell rang, or the door knocker, or whatever they had in the monastery, um, every time it went, he jumped up and ran to the door calling out, I'm coming, Jesus. That was his approach to whoever was about to break into his day. He was treating them like Jesus. During COVID restrictions and perhaps the number of delivery men that we get to our doors, is that how we approach it? I've said, since I've heard that, I've set that as my mindset, that that's how I want to approach the door. Yes, it's really difficult whenever there's a lot going on in the house, but setting that as a mindset of, I'm coming, Jesus. What we've tried to do in the last few years as well is show God's love to our neighbours, especially during these winter months, by celebrating well. At Thanksgiving, we have some neighbours round for a Thanksgiving meal. We do mince pies and, and mulled wine at Christmas time. We have a burnt supper, those kind of things. 
they're going to look really different this year because of the, the COVID restrictions. What I'm doing this week is writing cards for Thanksgiving to my neighbours and in them saying why I'm thankful to God for them. Are there ways that we continue to show hospitality, even at this time? Verse 3 um, is about remembering those in prison and those who are ill-treated. Don't forget about those. It's easy to, to forget people who are not, not in our sight. Care for people who need it. Show support for those who are mistreated. All the kinds of things that Jesus did and encouraged us to do as we follow him. Are there ways that we can care for those in prison? Are there people that we can write to? Perhaps visiting is out of the question at the minute, but there may come a time when it's possible. If we're not sure, Junction 42, who work with prisoners, young offenders and ex-offenders, will give us some guidance as to how we can get involved in this aspect of living the Jesus way. And who do we know that's being ill-treated by society, by their community or, or even by the system? We've seen some steps forward in greater awareness of the racial inequalities that exist in our society. And we pray that that awareness will, will increase and lead to some systemic change. But change can start with in us as individuals. How do we make sure that we're supporting those who are ill-treated? How will we build stronger friendships with them? How can we stand with them? And that's just considering racial inequality. How do we show our support and our care for those who are ill-treated for other reasons, perhaps because of disabilities, learning difficulties or, or, or mental health issues? Who are the people in our neighbourhood or our workplaces who need our support at this time? In verse 4, the writer calls us to honour marriage. I love how he words this. It's not just a thing, of, sorry, it's not just a list of things to do or to not do. He's calling us to the positive here, to honour marriage, to keep marriage pure. The writer's calling us to our best, to grow healthy marriages, strong marriages. And yes, absolutely that means be faithful to each other in marriage. Don't have sex before marriage. That's what he means by keeping the marriage bed pure. But the writer is calling us to honour marriage, honour each other, honour the vows that we made to love each other in every circumstance. What does our best look like in that regard? Let's look to bless each other and build each other up. COVID and the restrictions for many of us has meant we've been spending an awful lot more time in our spouse's company than usual. We've not been off at work. Has it shown up areas of our marriages that we'd like to be stronger? If it is, then I'd suggest we don't shy away from it. That we take the time to honour and build up our marriage. It's really easy if we're working from home to use the time that we would have spent been, that we would have spent commuting to and from work to do more work. Um, but maybe the solution is to take that time and, and spend it with our, our spouse or our partner. Use it to invest in our marriage. Make space to, to talk, cook a special meal together, get some counseling, whatever is going to honor our, our, your marriage and make it strong. And then in verse five and six, the writer tells us to, to keep, keep our lives free from the love of money. He's, he's asking us to keep our reliance on God. He will never leave us or forsake us. 
as he goes on to say. Yes, money is part of our lives and we need it, but whether we're blessed with a lot of it or whether we don't have very much, he's calling us not to love it. If we allow it to dominate our thoughts, we become preoccupied by it and driven by it. Then the decisions and choices we make are more easily influenced by our desire for more money. And instead, the call here is to focus on the God who never leaves us nor forsakes us, the God who is our helper. Let's make him the focus of our thoughts and of our love. We believe as Christians that all our blessings and our money come ultimately from God. So let's focus on him and ask him for what we need and how we steward what we have in the best way possible. Again, during COVID, perhaps your financial situation is affected at this time and money has been taken up more of your thoughts just now. Maybe that's because you've been on furlough um, or perhaps you've lost your job and your finances at the minute are, are, are tight. I don't mean this to be trite, but the call from this passage is to focus on Jesus first because he doesn't leave us, he doesn't forsake us. He's still the God who provides He's still the God who helps us to be content in every circumstance, whether we have a lot or a little. And he's the same yesterday, today and forever. The call here is to trust him and not to despair. And that sounds easier to say than to do, but it's what we're called for. It's what we're called to here. Perhaps we're in a different situation. Working from home because because of restrictions, our outgoings are less and, and perhaps you're left at the end of the month with a little bit more money than, um, than normal. Can you be creative and use that extra to help you care for others or be hospitable to strangers or give to a charity that works with prisoners? We've been fortunate over the last couple of years that we have had a little bit of money that we've been able to be generous with each month uh, that we look to bless others with. And during COVID, we've been able to add to that fund quite a bit and give money away to um, to individuals or to charities. Um, Sometimes it's been buying something that we give to somebody else. Um, It's been fun looking for things to be creative with our generosity. These, These actions that we've looked at are marks of what it looks like to be Jesus followers, but they're not an exhaustive list. There are lots of ways that we can show God's love to others, whether they're people in the church or people who don't yet know Jesus. They're part of, these actions are part of who we are as Christians, part of who we are as Jesus people. And we are diminished in some way if COVID or if anything else stops us showing the love of Jesus in the way that we normally would. Perhaps for you at the minute, COVID isn't the main obstacle. Perhaps you've started a new school or a new university. Um, Perhaps you've graduated and you're starting work for the first time. Perhaps you've got a new job. Perhaps you've got married. There are all times in life when our our life rhythms um, and our practices are disrupted. We're meeting new people. We're spending time with new people who have got different opinions. How do we live the Jesus life in our new situations? And how do we keep pressing ahead with it? Maybe your challenge is to keep showing God's love to others when you're preoccupied with showing a new boss that you're dependable. Maybe it's navigating a new work environment that isn't as healthy as you want it to be and figuring out how you can influence that. Maybe you're newly married and you're head over heels in love with each other 
but your new spouse is happy to let you take the lead in how you witness as a couple and you'd rather that was more a joint thing. Whatever you're facing, the challenge for us today is to get creative around how we press on as we live as Jesus followers. Let's not allow circumstances to hold us back. Let's keep loving others well and caring for those who need it. Let's keep living lives that shout out that we're Jesus followers. Jesus hasn't changed and he's not going to. He will always be the saviour that we long for. Let's not give up on the most constant thing in our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is our saviour, your Messiah. Thank you that we can look forward to celebrating his birth next month. Thank you that Thank you, Jesus, that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. Thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Holy Spirit, will you grow and strengthen our faith? Will you spur us on to live out our faith so that our faith affects not just our head and our hearts, but our words and our actions, our whole lives? In Jesus' name, amen.